Today's Five Clubs podcast is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focus group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips. Refresh your game. Visit GolfPride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride. Respect the grip. Welcome into the Wagyu Filet Show. Johnson Wagner, Brendan DeYoung. Well, Brendan, the Amex is finished, and it was a historical day on the PGA Tour. Nick Dunlap, the standout amateur from University of Alabama, uh, this guy is in a category, he's sitting at a two top with Tiger Woods, only player to ever win the U S junior and the U S amateur. And now he goes one up on Tiger Woods and wins a PGA tour event as an amateur. It was a bit of a roller coaster day, but talk about how big this was and, and just your overall takeaways for the week. I mean, Wags, this is big time. Seriously, since 1991, that's the last time this happened. Phil Mickelson, I tell you what, you know, we, uh, he stood on that seventh tee and piped it. I mean, guys tried to say he got a little bit close to the hosel. That was a full-out shank. That ball landed in the middle of the lake. The wheels could very easily have come off right there. You know what? He made six right at the ship with a birdie on the next hole, and then he held his nerve better than a couple uh, very distinguished pros there down the stretch. Yeah, playing in that final group with Justin Thomas and Sam Burns, two Ryder Cuppers from this season, uh, multiple winners. I mean, I think JT obviously had to be a pretty comfortable pairing given the fact that JT played at Alabama and just the way they were interacting all day. I mean, just to even go back to the first tee, we talked a lot about uh, Grayson Murray last week's winner uh, really growing up and maturing and, and, you know, coming into his own. This kid, Nick Dunlap, showed incredible maturity all day. The first tee, I turned on PGA Tour Live, and I haven't been more excited for a tournament since a major championship in a long, long time. Like, th- his name was announced on the first tee. His ball was already pegged in the ground. And he took – he walked over to his caddy, uh, dried the grip off on his uh, yeah. on his, on his, on his three-wood, uh, had a little conversation, and then just piped it down the middle. I, I think some people would say maybe he's – a little bit of a a deliberate or slow player, but I think it was just in the moment, taking his time, having that maturity, uh, like blown away with what I saw. I look like we were looking at a, a 10 time PGA tour winner who had been there, done that had, you know, 400 starts on the PGA tour. Yeah. Maybe he is a little bit deliberate, a little bit slow, but he never changed his pace, you know? And and that to me was telling, like he, he kept the pace that he had played the entire tournament. And that, that's key. You know, fast players typically get going faster. Slow players get going slower under the heat. So I thought he did a wonderful job staying very, very calm, very, very level. And, you know, from the start, he said all the right things. He said, I know I'm going to be nervous. I was nervous over every single shot, but he embraced it. And I mean, he handled himself so well. He did in a couple key moments for me. Obviously, that birdie after the double, he made the birdie on the par five eight was eighth was out of position off the tee to the left, uh, out of that dormant Bermuda, kind of de- debating between his driving iron and a four iron, and they decided to try to leave it short right of the green. Incredible play. The chip he hit up there was beautiful, and he buried that putt from about five feet for birdie to really bounce back nicely. And then on the very next hole, he had a bad second shot into the green, hit a poor approach putt from the front fringe and he made like every 
par putt he had inside eight. This putt was eight feet, four inches gutted right into the middle. I, I think about the birdie putt he made on 14 after Sam yeah. Burns had already made it to stay one back on 15. He one hops it off the stick. He wouldn't make that putt. And then like when you're watching him on 16, get that ball up and down like that putt he made on 16 uh, was spectacular. Yeah, it really was. And going going back to the eighth hole there, I love the back and forth with the caddy there. And, and you know, I, I love the fact that the commentators laid out and we could hear everything that was being said. And um, they, they talked through that shot absolutely perfectly. Couldn't get it pin high. It was difficult over there on the right. If you came up short right, you had a pretty basic chip shot other than the circumstances. They played that perfectly. I think the guy caddying for him was just a buddy of his from uh, from Alabama, but uh, they did a wonderful job there and righted that chip really quickly after the double on seven. Hunter Hamrick, his caddy, played at University of Alabama and was the assistant at Alabama, ended up being one of the guys uh, for J.C. Well that recruited Nick to come. He's not any longer at Alabama, but I believe he lives in Birmingham. And we know, uh, I mean, I, I first kind of got to know uh, – Nick Dunlap at that 2021 U.S. Junior at CCNC in Pinehurst Country Club in North Carolina that you and I both know well, and a guy that we played a ton of golf with collegiately and as young professionals, Jeff Curl, was on the bag for him during that U.S. Junior win and the U.S. Amateur win at Cherry Hills last summer. Um, Jeff Curl, who uh, we're not going to go into Jeff Curl stories right now, but to think of how 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 much Jeff has grown up to be sort of a mentor for this young kid Nick Dunlap and Jeff was on property today surprised he wasn't on the bag uh, I mean after all the success they've had I really was when I uh, when I turned it on uh, yesterday and watched a little bit of that third round which turned out to be a 60 by the way um yeah I saw that uh, that Jeff wasn't on the bag and I was surprised given the success that they had uh, through the summer last year and uh Obviously, Jeff, somebody that um, Nick Dunlap's very, very comfortable with, but I, I don't know why he wasn't on the bag, but it, everything worked out pretty well. It did, and like the per, putting it in perspective, I mean, we were born in 1980, both of us, so we're 43 years old. I'm a little bit older than you, not not nearly as wise as you are, Brendan, but not nearly. Scott Verplank, 1985, wins the Western Open. I remember watching Phil Mickelson in 1991 win the Northern Telecom Tucson Open or whatever it was called and put on that Conquistador that helmet. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it was a Conquistador helmet. It was yeah. like, uh, I, I, I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget this. Uh, it was cold day in Charlotte. And uh, my son, Graham, who's an aspiring junior golfer, he's 14 and, a, you know, he's a one and a half index, probably outdrives you by 30 right now. Like he and I sat in here. Uh, fortunately, I have a two TV setup, So we had the early football game on and then the golf on the bottom with sound. And I just couldn't get enough of it. And the way he started out leading into that seven, I thought it was going to be a run or leading into the seventh hole. I thought it was going to be a runaway, but it turned into be one of the more compelling regular PGA tour events we've ever seen. Uh, highlights for me that, that up and down on 16, Sam Burns wiped it way right over there on 16, had a brutal up and down, hit a pretty conservative third end from the dormant Bermuda and Nick Dunlap's putt. Gary Williams and I were, were talking that putt on 16. Gary said, this is interesting coming from Gary said that putt would have gone into a shot glass. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, he's right. It would have gone into a thimble. Um, I tell you what, the, the up and down he made on 18 was no gimme either. It looked a little bit bare over there on a slight down slope. 
you know what's on the other side of that. You catch that maybe a couple grooves low and you're dropping over there, but you know, sacked up, hit a wonderful chip shot and got the job done. The the chip, I, I said the exact same thing when that ball landed, when that ball finished, it was good that it got out of that yeah. dormant Bermuda lie and rolled down into the, into the overseeded area, but it was on a downslope. And I was thinking to myself, even mentioning to my son, Graham, I would be so concerned about sculling this over the green and into that hazard. And he didn't, but just to even take it back to the 17th hole Alcatraz. I think it was huge that uh, he birdied 16 and Sam didn't. And so that Nick Dunlap now had the honor on 17 and hit a, a really well executed shot. Maybe he didn't catch it just like he wanted because it only covered the front edge by a couple yards, yeah. but hit it on the green. Job one, put the pressure on the guy you're tied with. And Sam Burns, uh, for as good as he played all day, he was really consistent with his ball striking, with his putting, uh, a little conservative maybe, but Sam Burns rinsing it on 17 and 18 was shocking to me. Yeah, it was big mistake there. I, I fully expected Sam Burns to hit something on that same sort of line that Nick Dunlap had off the 17th tee. That that's not the time to go pushing and go pressing there. He's probably probably because he didn't birdie 16, you know, got a little bit over aggressive there and unfortunately gave the tournament away and then well compounded that with the the pull tee shot on 18 and double double finish. It did look like he was trying to take dead aim there. And Travis Perkins, his caddy, who has had success as a caddy with a bunch of different players and is a guy that you and I both played with on the on the now Corn Ferry Tour back in the day. Travis is a heck of a player. I cannot believe that they would be trying to fire at that pin on 17. Yeah, you know, obviously you can make a bad swing at the wrong time, but it did. It looked like it was a very, very aggressive line off that tee. And you know, you've got to hit that ball 15 feet left of the hole and try and make a putt from over there. Have you ever hit it in the water on Alcatraz? I have not. Never. Not even close. Well, you you got your PGA Tour card through Q School at uh, PGA West, the stadium in the Nicholas Tournament. Um, back in the day, I think I've played two. It would have been your your first Q School was at Orange County National, but it was in the, the December of 06. You got your tour card, and you were finishing on that stretch. Um, how was that pressure in that situation? You know what? It, it was, I thought, a perfect place for Q School. And But given that, I didn't think these golf courses were as easy as these guys made it look. But I did. I thought it was a perfect place for Q School. You know, you've got a, a birdieable par 5 on 16, but if you get out of position there down the left, it's very, very difficult. 17, you've just got to stand up there, sack up, and hit a really good golf shot. There's nowhere to bail out. And then 18, it just that water down that left stares at you. Um, I thought it was a wonderful place to to hold Q School. And, uh, you know, it, it tested you down that stretch, which is what you want. Uh, me and uh, my longtime caddy, Matt Hauser, and another caddy, Damian Lopez, for four years had the greatest rental house in PGA Tour history. It was basically front of the green high on 17 at PJ tour at, at PJ West, the stadium course. And we paid nothing for this house. Uh, D'Lo had, uh, had met this guy at Q schools past and had this in on this house. And it was a three bedroom cottage right there. All the, all the houses around us were, uh, rented by corporate hospitality. Uh, and it was all, I, Every year since the tournament got moved to the stadium and Nicholas tournament, as opposed to where we used to play at Palmer yeah. private and Nicholas, uh, Nicholas private, which is where David Duvall Palmer private 
he was that was the famous shot in 18 where he shot 59 um but we had this sick house and uh i watched jason duffner in 2016 uh i may have had a, a glass of wine or a beer or something at this time i did miss the cut football's on inside and and duffner hits that chip off the rocks on alcatraz lee trevino's hole in one in the 1987 uh skins game so many moments from that hole and certainly it played a massive role in the finish today I remember another awesome house that we shared there at uh, the Bob Hope one year when it was the Bob Hope. Um, you had just won at Sony and your cheap ass wouldn't pay for the house that week at uh, Palm Springs. I'd remember that one really well. Speaking well, of the, the whole the, the whole the whole thing is if if we stay in a house together, whether you're a player or a caddy and you're staying with players and caddies, if you win, you pay for the house that week that you all stayed in. I won the week before, so I was by no means required to pay for the house the following week, which I, I did end up finishing second at that. It was the best week. It was the best two, three week run of my life. I finished ninth at Kapalua, one Sony got to stay with you. It was the Humana at the time. That's um, right. I know Excuse that. Me. I know that because <laughs> first tee box on Sunday, uh, Bill Clinton, remember, had a lot to do. It was the Humana challenge uh, benefiting the Clinton Foundation. And I'm playing Sunday with uh, Steve Marino, and I can't remember the third, but Steve and I were both sponsored by Geico at the time, and we both had the, the Gecko head cover on our drivers. And Bill Clinton's up there greeting the last few groups. I think we were in the third to last group. Uh, and <laughs> Bill Clinton's a Rhodes Scholar, one of the most brilliant minds of, of our time. And Bill Clinton looks at me and Steve Marino, and he's like, oh, you guys are sponsored by Geico. He said, I just love those commercials. That frog really cracks me up. And we looked at him, we're like, frog? What are you talking about? Frog? It's a Geico. It's a gecko. It's not a frog. It's a gecko. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, one of the classic days of, of uh, my life, Steve and I, pretty much every time we see each other, we like to share that story. Um, you've had some good experiences at the Amex yourself. What comes to mind for you? I have. I've actually, I've got a good one too. Um, I was paired with, uh, with Tim Heron one year and we were... I believe we were in the first group out on Saturday. So it was the third round before the cut. And um, Lumpy wasn't playing very well at all. He was going to miss the cut, but his amateur was playing really well. And he was going to make the cut. And this guy was just wearing Lumpy's ass out. Make some birdies. You suck. And not in a real friendly way. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but a windstorm came through. Porta potties were getting blown over with people in them. Yeah, and it was our rookie year, wasn't it? It was. I believe it might have been our rookie year, yeah. Anyway, they took us off the golf course. We just had one hole to finish. Uh, canceled play for the day. So we come back Sunday morning, and we got to finish. And it turns out that all Lumpy's got to do is make six for him and his uh, amateur partner to make the cut. Anyway, Lumpy hits one down the fairway, and he pulls his second shot. It was the ninth hole on the Nicholas Private. So it's got the rocks down the left there. This is 2012. I remember this. I was playing with Robert Garrigus. He almost shot 59, and we got blown off the golf course. Keep going. Yep. Anyway, so Lumpy's over there, and he's in the rocks. He knows all he's got to do is make six. But as I say, this guy's been wearing him out. So he looks at me, and he's like, you think I can get that out of there? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can get that out of there, Lump hits the rocks goes further further down into the rocks he's like what about now it's like oh 
No doubt, Rump. That thing's coming out perfectly. Anyway, long story short, he ends up making eight. So his amateur partner is sitting in the clubhouse expecting to have to go and tee off on Sunday with Lumpy. Lump walks in and he's like, ah, sorry, pal, made eight. We're not playing this afternoon and walks <laughs> off. <laughs> Lump already had his flight booked, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, he, this, uh, th but this guy deserved it. He hadn't been real pleasant to play with uh, for the first that, that day, I guess. Yeah, and the the first I remember at least oh seven oh eight, it was it was five rounds, four golf yeah. courses, and it was four different amateurs every day. Yeah. Long rounds. I think the tour's done a great job. I've always enjoyed tournaments with amateurs. I know Vegas used to be that way. Disney used to be that way. Obviously Pebble, um, but that that event, the the Bob Hope with f four different courses. And having not being able to play with another professional, you all, I always felt like I was kind of out on an island. And I think they've done a great job with the new format there, having three courses, two different AMs a day. It keeps it fresh. And I'm sure with Pebble becoming a signature event and not as many amateurs, now that entry into the Amex is, is a pretty hot ticket item. Yeah, I would imagine so. It did, it, you know, that five round tournament, as you say, with the four AMs, it made for a long week. It really did. You know, you've flown. Typically from Sony, you've flown back to the mainland and then, you know, you've got to tee it up uh, Wednesday morning. It came very, very quick. So I am. Um, yeah, I like I like what they've done. I love the fact that you are playing with another pro now and uh, just the two ams. And, and I wonder for, for a guy like Nick Dunlap, who, who wins as an amateur first time in over 30 years for an amateur to win on the PGA tour, having the format this week with three different golf courses, he was paired with a, a former Alabama player, the first three rounds, who's a rookie on the PGA tour. His name is escaping me right now. Um, that had to be a comfortable Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He kind of is at, over at La Quinta on Saturday. Uh, I, I wonder if the format of the Amex, like, calmed his nerves as opposed to i played with patrick cantlay in 2011 he was an amateur at the travelers championship mm -hmm. uh, we were in the last group on saturday he had just shot 60 on friday and both of us were kind of out of our comfort zone final group of a big event and i i just think that that maybe and i'm not i'm not trying to take anything away from him but maybe it just it, it benefited uh nick dunlap having this sort of amateur a three round cut sort of event to, to get his feet wet and, and get that first win. I think so. And then, well, obviously today it was a very, very comfortable pairing for him. Um, you know, Justin Thomas is still around the Alabama golf program, spends a lot of time with those guys. You would imagine that him and Nick Dunlap know each other very well. And then well, Sam Burns as well. So I think that was, that certainly helped the fact that he did have a very, very comfortable pairing. And as you say, not going to take anything away from the guy, but it, it certainly makes a big difference. Uh, you, you jogged another story loose, uh, just talking about the Palmer and Nicholas private. You remember rookie year, I think 15 is the par five that kind of traverses that old canal that was mm -hmm. on the Palmer private. Yep. Um, <laughs> and my long, uh, my caddy before Hauser, Stephen Hale, AKA Pepsi, who's had uh, success as a, he's a major championship winning caddy with, uh, Keegan Bradley in the 2011 PGA championship. We were on the back of that 15th green on a Tuesday or whatever it was trying to see all these golf courses and those mountains there at Amex, like in La Quinta and especially the Nicholas and Palmer, like you're playing right alongside those mountains on the stadium in the Nicholas tournament. You're nowhere near them. You can see them in the distance, but we were right there. And what was it? We, we bet. I, I hadn't thought about this story forever. That's we, a, we, we, <laughs> We, we bet we bet Pepsi that he and Pepsi's a Colorado guy skier loves hiking 
I think he was probably caddying in flip-flops that day. And we bet him that he couldn't get to the top of that mountain and back in like 10 minutes. Is this ringing a bell? Yeah, I think the bet was that he couldn't get up and back by the time we had played the 15th hole, the little part <laughs> three. And I think you you put your bag on your back and you carried it. And next thing we're walking up to the green and he comes running down the hill. Legs are just cut to shit. There's blood everywhere. But uh, did it in seven or eight minutes. And uh, well, I can't remember how much he won. I know there were a few guys that, that uh, piped in there and added a little bit of money to that pot. I would certainly think Snedeker would have been in that group. And uh, yeah. he, he truly looked like, uh, you know, all the shots this week of bighorn sheep climbing up and down those mountains. Pepsi put all those bighorn sheep to shame with his uh, mountain climbing skills. I do remember that. That was uh, that was good fun. So this tournament's always had sort of a celebrity aspect, especially the first couple of years we played. Uh, I think it was George Lopez kind of took over for a couple of years uh, after Bob Hope had passed away. I never really got paired with any of these uh, superstar celebrities or athletes. Did you ever have any experiences with the celeb parents? I did. I, I got very fortunate. I uh, I played with um, Alice Cooper one year. Ooh. And then I played with Michael Bolton the next two years. And I remember, well, I'll give you a quick story. I'd on celebrate Michael the guy's Bolton. entire catalog. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a quick story on Michael Bolton. I, let me start by saying he wasn't my favorite guy. I, I really <laughs> didn't enjoy Shocking. playing. I didn't enjoy playing would, with Michael Bolton. I would think you would love a saxophonist. <laughs> anyway, we're, uh, we're walking uh, down the 13th hole at La Quinta, the par five. And um, we walk down there, and there's two Japanese ladies holding a sign that says, we love you, Michael Bolton. So we walk past them, and he looked, He turns around. This is no lie. And he looks at me. He's like, you won't believe how big I am in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't smart ass enough to say, well, you are taller than most Japanese people. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty big in Japan. And uh, that was kind of the icing on the cake with uh, with Michael Bolton. But um, I also uh, I got paired with Carson Daly one year. Yo, MTB. Um, right after The Voice had come out. I think it was 2011 or was actually filming for The Voice. And he, I remember him saying, you know, I'm really not sure if this show is going to make it. And, well, obviously it's, uh, it took off pretty well. And uh, that's uh, they've done a good job out there. And then uh, Ryan Longwell, the kicker that kicked for the – both the Packers and the Vikings. He was a good golfer as well. Kickers make great golfers historically. Right. Kickers yeah. and, and uh, pitchers in the in MLB. Uh, gosh, do you remember the story from Pebble? Uh, Jerry Kelly's playing with Aaron Rodgers, and someone throws Aaron Rodgers a, a football to sign on the 18th tee at Pebble. And as soon as Aaron gets the football, Jerry Kelly runs. He runs out like for a for a, a pattern, and Aaron throws it and. Jerry catches it, but somehow just smokes. Like I think it was his left middle finger completely shattered a couple bones. And Jerry, to his credit, was such a beast of a dude. He ended up playing the whole West Coast with a gnarled finger. But that was uh, always such a cool thing at the Amex with the celebrities and Pebble. Who knows what Pebble's going to look like in a couple of weeks now that yeah. there's only going to be 80 or so uh, amateurs and celebrities playing. But it's certainly going to be a fun one. Um, Anything else about Nick Dunlap? Oh, let's get into let's get into Justin Thomas a little yeah. bit. Uh, yeah. I was pretty pleased. Uh, he played a great round yesterday. I think it was one off the course record at the stadium course to get himself in that final group. Uh, and and he was 
my pick for the for the five clubs uh, this week. I just it's a big year for him coming off missing the playoffs for the first time. Uh, he's currently going into this week was 29th in the world ranking, top 30 in the OWGR. Get in all the signature events. This had to at least solidify him solidly for Pebble uh, with this T3 for Pebble Genesis, maybe even Bay Hill. Um, I was really impressed by JT this week. So was I. I, 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 and I'm expecting a very big year out of JT. I, I think he's pissed off with the year that he had last year. Um, you know, he's going to rue two shots that he hit today. You know, you rinsed it on two par fives. Um, other than that, I thought he was very, very solid. Missed a bunch of chances on that front nine. Um, yeah, I, I think his game's in very, very good shape, and it sounds like his head's right in the good spot as well. So I'm expecting big things, and for him to win soon. And you, you meant, I, I agree with that. He's going to win soon. I think he's going to win multiple times this year. And I think more importantly, contend in some majors and maybe even pick one off. But you mentioned the two par fives. Number five hit the, like JT's one of these guys that can work the ball both directions off the tee. More importantly, I mean, think about some of the tee shots he's hit with driver at the players championship off of 18, yeah. getting a low hook out there. He hit that same shot off of five, which I think is a brutal tee shot. And I'm mm -hmm. a drawer of the golf ball. He was down there at the very end of the water with a probably a five iron in his hand and the pin on that right side all over that penalty area just seemed like Sam Burns had hit a great shot in front of him and JT's maybe thinking, oh, I, I better take advantage and take this at the pin. But I mean, that ball, I don't think anybody should ever be more than, you know, you 15 feet left is where you're trying to hit that. If you push it and it works out great, but to rinse it there was bad. And then, uh, and then hit another great drive down 11 and probably the worst swing he made all week sort of looked like a chunk hook. Uh, yeah. Another five or four iron into the penalty area there on 11 would ultimately make bogey. And that was kind of the end of his round. I mean, the end of his tournament, he did make some late closing birdies on 14, 16, and that nice putt on 18 to go. I think he had fallen all the way to T seven or eight and came all the way back to finish T three. So that was a, that was big for him, big for world rankings, big for my five clubs points. I think now I probably overtook you. Uh, you had Scotty Scheffler this week. What'd you make of uh, the world? Number one. Um, well, at the end of the day, backdoored another top 25 shot a nice seven under today was, was never a story for the first time in forever. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised. I expected him to make a bunch of birdies out there. Very flat greens, very easy greens to putt on, perfect holding speed. And he just never really seemed to get much going uh, this week. Yeah, but like John Rahm in the past has talked about this golf tournament and he's won it twice as being a putting contest. So a guy like Scotty Scheffler, who's putting woes are well documented did you really think that that was the best possible pick having a guy in a putting contest week that can't really get it in the hole as soon as i sent that text to gary williams i realized that i'm an idiot but he he backdoored a top 25 which was about as good as i was expecting but yeah it wasn't really well thought out of and this year, for the first time, we are going to start keeping track of points, and we're going to put a cap on how many times you can use a player. I'm not going to hold it against you now because we came up with this idea midweek after your pick had already been made. But going forward, using one of your Scotty Scheffler picks on a week like Amex, probably not the best idea. No, I might look for a bit of a, a, bit of a ball striking golf course next time I pick Scotty Scheffler.
All right, world number, I believe he's number two in the world, Rory McIlroy wins the Dubai Desert Classic for the fourth time, uh, yeah. second or third year in a row. I don't. I think it was second year in a row. Um, yeah. I didn't get to watch much of it, uh, but I watched him a ton last week at uh, the Dubai Invitational, the new event. I thought his wedge game was really good. Some issues with some left misses. What did you see out of Rory today? You know, I uh, actually got up early and watched it. I couldn't sleep this morning, so I got up and turned on the golf. And uh, I think Rory is primed for a massive year. Obviously, didn't get it done last week, rinsed it on uh, his final hole, and uh, Tommy Fleetwood flipped him there. But, uh, yeah, I think he is primed for a massive, massive year. He's gone, obviously, second, first, his first two events. I like the fact that he's going to play a little bit more going into Augusta. I think that's great. I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be very very sharp. Only thing about Rory McIlroy, still, I worry. You mentioned the left miss; that's there, but the course management—it's still bad. Wags. He's he's got a three shot lead standing on an easy par five, number thirteen. There, he takes driver, tries to take it up over the top of the dog leg, which is pretty much taking it up over the top of the out of bounds pulls it, gets very, very fortunate for his ball to hit a tree and stay in bounds, kind of hacks the rest of the hole there, makes a six. Um, you've got a three-shot lead. Get get something out in the fairway. For him, it's three-wood, six-iron, three-wood, five-iron, a very, very basic uh, par five. Um, he just made it a lot more difficult than he needed to. Seems like he lives and dies with that driver. I mean, you could see it last week at the Invitational. He pulled a Dubai Invitational. He pulled driver out on 18 uh, with a one-shot lead. Uh, and he had not really hit a ton of fairways. Uh, maybe he's not comfortable. I know he wasn't comfortable with his four-iron last week. But a three-wood for him would be such a weapon. And, and to just to have it uh, as as it's there, I just think he he has to just – I know it's a weapon, but man, if he could dial back and, and, you know, he didn't play the par fives well today. I think he was one over as a whole on the par fives, which was kind of LACC-esque on Sunday when he didn't win that U.S. Open bogey in 14 catastrophically with a bad wedge that plugged into the lip of that bunker. But it's, 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 it's very encouraging that we can sit here and nitpick Rory's game and he's gone two, one in two weeks in Dubai. Like the, right. I mean, I, yeah, sorry. I, I feel terrible doing it because I can't hold Rory McIlroy's jockstrap. But I mean, just there's there's times when you just dial back. And he he had worn that three wood out around that golf course today and was hitting it absolutely beautifully. It, it was the club. He, he hit it on the par five tenth. He hit it on the par five eighteenth. He didn't. I know he didn't birdie either of those, but got both of those balls on the fairway. And you know your miss is a left miss. Why why bring that trouble in? Yeah, I mean, how far how how far past your driver do you think his three wood is? A good thirty in the <laughs> air. <laughs> but thank you for asking. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yeah, Rory McIlroy. We're going to see him again. Um, just one week off for Rory. He's going to travel back over to the United States. And he's going to play Pebble Beach. Week off and uh, the Genesis two big signature events coming up that I am so excited about. Uh, it's going to be interesting seeing the field they get at Pebble Beach. Uh, traditionally, with the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am, they do not get these big time players, but with only eighty players in the field, that is going to be one to watch out for. Uh, Tory Pines next week. Um, I, I, I not 
my best venue. I think I finished 30th there my rookie year, which would hands down be the best finish I ever had there. Bombers golf course, two courses again. We're entering a stretch of the schedule, three courses this week, two courses at Torrey, only two at Pebble, which is down from the normal three. Practice rounds are so important. Experience around these places, managing your time. Uh, what are you looking forward to at the Farmers Insurance Open? Um, I tell you what, I, I'm I'm looking forward to watching those guys play that South Course. I I, I love that South Course. You know, it never suited me because I can't hit it past 250. But I did play <laughs> I did play well around there a few times. I must have putted really well. But um, I think it's always a great uh, great course to watch. Um, it's one that everybody's very familiar with. We've, they've been uh, been going to to Tory forever. Everyone knows some of those beautiful vistas, and uh, it's it's very picturesque. But um, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a great event. We've got a good field. Um, I got a great pick who I expect to do very well around there, and uh, look to hopefully close the gap on you clowns. Who's uh, who's your pick? You ready to make it? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Jason Day. Got a wonderful record around Tory Pines. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I didn't have to scroll too far down that list. His name popped out, and it's a uh, no doubt a good pick. And he's been playing some pretty good golf starting this yeah. year. He's got that new clothing too. What do you make of his Malbon uh, clothing? Looks like uh, more your fit, not not a not a Jason Day sort of fit style. Yeah, player. he's he's kind of going for that that loose fit. He looks like a painter, but I uh, I kind of like it actually. <laughs> he's got paintbrushes. Yeah, Maybe we should get a Malbon sponsor for the Wagyu Filet Show because I think both of us could fit into those pants nicely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, weather has been a little suspect in California so far this past week or so. I'm, I'm keeping an eye out on Pebble Beach. Uh, it, I think rain is in the forecast. Um, I know we've had some bad weather years there. That is not a fun place when it rains. It just becomes so long. One of the few courses that actually grows rough and when yeah. you when you add some wetness to it, uh, it makes it even more difficult. My pick this week, I, I'm going defending champion. I, I'm going Max Homa, uh, sort of the king of California. He's yeah. won Genesis. He's won Fortnite twice. He's won at Tory. I think when he gets, you know, you know, when he plays, tees it up in his home state of California, he plays well. I think Max Homa is going to have a successful title defense because he's proven he can do it before. He defended uh, Fortnite before, and it's time for him to defend the uh, Tory Pines. Yeah, you're certainly not going out on a limb, but I kind of like it. I think that's a good pick. Uh, Max Max Homo, obviously very comfortable in California and has played well there. Well, Brendan, you got anything else on your mind? What uh, did you lose any football bets this weekend? I didn't wags. I, uh, I haven't watched as much as I would have liked to. I've uh, I've been outside uh, in this chilly weather in Charlotte, uh, watching a lot of soccer games. So I haven't seen as much football as I would have liked. How did uh, How did your son's uh, soccer games go? Yeah, pretty good. They uh, they won two, lost one. Um, I, I felt bad for them playing that. Uh, that wind was pretty chilly out there, but uh, they they got through it, and uh, there was some good soccer to watch. Did you have anything over your ears, or did you just have a regular hat on? Uh, I had something over my ears and all kinds of stuff on it. I mean, it was cold. Well, Brendan, uh, this has been a pleasure as always, and I am very happy we are going down to Florida to play in an outing for the company AIG this week. Two days of golf, Panther National, which I'm very excited to go see. Uh, I believe Justin Thomas had something to do with the design of that golf course. And then we're playing the park in West yeah. Palm Beach, recently renovated uh, Gil Hance designed public golf course in West Palm Beach. It is going to be fun to be with you in person. 
and uh, looking forward to out driving you by a ton. I'm sure you're going to beat me on the golf course every day, but I will be uh, I'll be bombing it by you. Uh, unfortunately, you're probably right. I actually don't even have a comeback because it's I'm getting shorter and shorter. But uh, I'll uh, I'll chip and putt my way around those golf courses. Yeah, your your hands are always there. I'll be sculling chips. You'll be chipping them to tap ends. Well, everybody, thank you, thank you for listening to the Wagyu Filet Show. We will see you next week. Uh, don't forget Wednesday to Saturday. Finish at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, trying to avoid the NFL. Uh, conference championship weekend and uh we'll see you soon